Welcome to the SaaS Ad Lab podcast. We're going to the stories of SaaS founders, entrepreneurs, and CEOs. My name is Luis. I'm the founder of Phantom Agency, a digital marketing agency specializing in scaling SaaS companies. And today I have the pleasure of interviewing Carson. He is the CEO over at Mediafly. First of all, thank you so much for being on here. So it's a pleasure having you. And like I said before, uh, I know, you know, people like yourself are super busy, especially during this time of the year where, you know, families getting together, you got to fly places and stuff like that. So appreciate your time on here. And uh, to get started, why don't you just tell us a little bit, you know, brief story on like where you came from, how did you get to where you are and really what did it take um, to become the CEO of a relatively large company? Yeah. So, um, uh, that's a long, you know, that's a long story. I think yeah. that usually I go with drinks. Um, but, um, but essentially, you know, for, for, um, for lack of, you know, for, for just kind of brevity here. So I started the company in 2006, originally as a consumer media platform, actually it was a podcast platform. Awesome. Um, we were one of the largest podcast platforms out there. We were powered things like the original Roku podcast mm-hmm. applications, um, all kinds of cool stuff. Um, and um, we got really fortunate in that enterprises started coming to us through one of our partners, Roku. Um, which you're probably familiar with. And you know, they wanted to leverage um, the, essentially the Roku platform in order to distribute content on an enterprise level. Um, yeah. We thought that was really interesting, great use case of Mediafly. And so we kind of pivoted into that direction, into the enterprise space. Um, mm-hmm. and, that, and then what's really interesting is right about then the iPad came out, which is what, what really um, instigated the, um, the sales teams from wanting to be able to use this sort of thing. Um, yeah. and, um, and that created, opened up a whole bunch of other possibilities around sales enablement. So rather than just doing audio and video, the ability to also then start to do, you know, paginated content, right? So our initial customers there were like Goldman Sachs, um, Becton Dickinson, some really cool companies. And so, so, you know, that really, you know, thrust us into the sales enablement space, which really became kind of a, a, its own thing in like kind of, you know, 2014 timeframe. Um, mm-hmm. And so from then until now, we've been, you know, exclusively focused on this sales enablement use case, but we've cool. interesting about us is we've never lost that kind of consumer right. feel to our applications. And I think we we have a little bit to talk about that specific thing that you just uh, mentioned, uh, but we'll wait a little bit for that. But as far as growing the company, right? Like, there's a lot of people that listen to this podcast that are either early stage founders or they're looking at starting their own company. So, like, what was you know the defining moment to actually getting started, and also like what were some of the hardest things as you grew a business from, you know, nothing essentially? Yeah. Um, there were lots of hard things, um, as, as you know, right. Um, so, I mean, I think the original Genesis was just kind of one of those like moments where I was like, I think this, this solution could be useful. Um, again, it was originally, originally for podcasts. Right. But mm-hmm. the idea was how do we aggregate content from the internet and ultimately put it on, these new devices that were coming out that were internet enabled, right? So that was kind of the original genesis. And I, I still remember I had the idea, drew it on a piece of paper, drove home and showed it to my wife. And I was like, I'm quitting my job. We're doing this, right? Um, putting put the mortgage in and everything. So, um, you know, I think the, um, I mean, the hardest things, I, I think the thing I always did well was, um, you know, I read Jack Walsh's book, um, Straight From The Gut. Um, and I think I had read, written Built To Last and um, Good To Great, kind of all right in the same time frame, And, and, it was so clear to me that the first thing I need to do is hire awesome people. So I probably mm-hmm. started the company with a little bit more funding than I probably would have been smart. You know, I put the mm-hmm. mortgage in and my wife and I were all in, but it allowed me to hire some just unbelievable people that most right. of them were still with me today, you know, 13 years later. So, um, so that's continued to be, I would say the thing I'm the absolute best at, which is just hiring great people. Um, yeah. And then, um, and then, you know, kind of marrying that up with just, 
you know, allowing them to kind of do what they do, they do best instead of, you know, riding them now end of the quarter, I'll, I'll ride the salespeople pretty hard, <laughs> you know? Um, but I think, um, you know, and then, so I'd say um, that's been the exciting thing. I think, you know, one of the things I think, you know, every entrepreneur needs to keep in mind, which is just pivoting, right? I mean, you know, totally. I'm, I'm doing very different things today than I did um, way back when. And we were absolutely willing to kind of go where the river flowed, right? Um, and, I, in, and I'm having so much more fun with each turn because the people that I'm with are, are awesome, right? Yeah. Um, and, and we continued to make more and more money and the company kept getting bigger and bigger. So, um, so it, it proved itself out, I guess, in the end. That's awesome. That's really cool. What about customer acquisition? Like, how has, has that evolved from when you got started initially to where you're at now, uh, especially given the fact that you've pivoted a little bit, you know, throughout the, the entire process? Yeah, I would say, you know, I would say it's a thing that we're only just now figuring out. Um, you know, I think what's, what's interesting about us is that because we kind of got pulled into this space and we got pulled into this space from some really progressive, innovative companies. Mm -hmm. So when your first customers are Disney, NBC, Miller Coors, PepsiCo, Goldman Sachs, um, what, what I didn't realize at the time were, was that the market is not thinking like these guys were, right? So, so I really designed Mediafly around this high-end use case of sales enablement. And then we took a round of funding and then kind of put the gas on sales and marketing. And it was like, just the market was not ready for, you know, a technology company to tell big companies how to sell, right? Um, so if they were already thinking in this really innovative way, then great. We were the, about the only solution out there that could do what they're doing in a cost-effective way. Um, but the, um, but the masses, the 99% of companies were not there. And so customer acquisition was a real challenge because, you know, we, in order to find companies like that, they were raising their hand saying, I'm really innovative. It was, it was hard. So it really took about two years to get it right. Um, and ultimately what we ended up doing was acquiring two companies, um, a company called Alinean last year and this year, a company called iPresent that really allowed us to take some of the, the big thinking that we saw these companies doing and kind of bring it to the masses, right? Um, and it really came down to two things. How do you help companies sell in a more interactive kind of data-driven data way? Right. So that was this acquisition last year allows us to do kind of ROI and total cost of ownership calculators for, for selling really quickly. Um, and then we just acquired a company called iPresent, which is by far the, the kind of sexiest, fastest, to, to, you know, time to value sales enablement um, solution out there. Um, and so the combination of that now, to answer your question on, on go to market and kind of customer acquisition, you know, we can now go into any company, whether you've got one salesperson or a thousand salespeople or 10,000 salespeople, and we've got a solution that's so easy and so de-risked. And we can go all the way up to the super high end media fly because right. we help the biggest in companies with the most vision mm -hmm. also do. Mm -hmm. Do you see any risks with that as far as diversifying your efforts, right? Because if, if you've been super, you know, hyper-focused on helping really big enterprise companies, do you think there is some risk attached essentially with going after companies that don't necessarily have, you know, what it takes to, to, to use the product essentially? Yeah. So it's a great question. And I would say, absolutely. There's definitely risk involved in that. I would say, you know, the, the big risk would have been if we tried to build this ourselves and spend, you know, two years and a lot of entering resources to, to do this. I think what was really smart was, or what turned out to be smart in hindsight was that um, we acquired a company that already had kind of perfected that self-service model, but for enterprises, right? Mm -hmm. So, so we're not a solution that, you know, that typically gets used by tiny, tiny sales organizations, but it tends to be we tend to be a solution that gets used by, um, in a small way within big companies to get started, right? Um, or companies that are really on a growth trajectory. 
And so although we do have lots of companies that do use this from a relatively small standpoint, um, we don't run into that risk of kind of two different things that actually behave very differently, right? right. So we've got you know the same companies that have a thousand people on iPresent, it's the same exact solution if you're down to five users, right? Mm. I think the difference here is that um, what, what iPresent does is kind of naturally um, kind of merge into the, the, the what traditionally was Mediafly for that high end. So kind of somewhere around a thousand pieces of content and a thousand users, mm -hmm. there's a natural place where you would, you would switch to, you know, yeah. the kind of enterprise Mediafly solution, right? Um, but what, what was interesting is we found that most companies want to start small, right? Um, you know, they don't know exactly what they want to get out of sales enablement. And so right. it's really risky to go out there and buy a big enterprise solution. So instead, now they can say, I got five users. I want to start with five users and let's see, show me that this thing works. Right. And then when those guys pull on it, now we can take them all the way. And it's much easier to scale this, right? It, and, and I'm saying that in the fact that obviously, you know, I did a little bit of research on the company beforehand and being an advertising agency kind of like looked at what kind of, you know, things you were putting in front of people. Um, and I saw a couple of different ads on LinkedIn that were saying, you know, get a hundred days with a hundred dollars for a hundred, a hundred days for a hundred dollars. So I'm thinking, you know, that's a lot more appealing to a smaller company. And it's probably the approach that you guys are taking. And you can also scale it way, way faster than, you know, you would any other sort of tactic that you were implementing before to go after these enterprise level companies. Yeah, right. And I think what, what's really interesting to me is from a scale standpoint is that um, rather than spending, you know, six months or nine months convincing a company to buy us, mm -hmm. we now can go in and say in one phone call, we can get somebody who's interested in sales enablement and get them signed up. They can put their credit card down. They can start using the solution and we still support them with customer success and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so what it's done is it's taken a sales cycle that used to be really long and compressed it down where, um, you know, now they, they're growing with us. Right. And right. so rather than it taking six to nine months to do at any value to them, we add value instantly. And so it's allowing us to hire an entirely different, you know, type of sales organization to acquire customers. And then our traditional sales folks that were at Mediafly are now really in charge of growing accounts. Right. Um, and so, you know, it's, it just the amount of leads that are coming in, the amount of new logos we're able to sign, everything is now scalable. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it's honestly, it, it just was, it was the missing piece that we just, you know, we needed to bring in this, mm -hmm. this, this model. And you see lots of companies, I mean, Salesforce, you know, I remember when we were, you know, I, we were a one person sales organization, we had salesforce.com, right? Yeah. Um, and so I think they're a good example of one where you can buy them small and grow all the way up to, you know, massive companies, right? right? Um, so we're kind of following that same exact model. Um, not quite freemium like Dropbox or Box, but, um, but, um, but I mean, enough. technically it's a hundred dollars for, you know, a relatively large company. So still right. pretty much free. Um, it's still pretty much free. Yeah, exactly. And really that's just, really that's just to show that, you know, if you're willing to put a hundred dollars down, you know, um, you know, you're, what you're doing is you're really starting your relationship with us, right? Right. So, and not just that. So like, that's something that we focus a lot on is like the psychological aspect of things, right? And, and like when you have a freemium model, people tend to either not value it as much because they didn't actually put any sort of money down or anything like that. But in this case, I think it's super important because not only are they putting money down, but they're also getting started with the software, which essentially they're spending time, you know, like doing the thing that they're going to be doing later on and building their assets inside of the platform. So it's easier to just stay once you're there and like you've built something um, within the, the, the system essentially. Yeah. I mean, there's the right, I mean, there's a, there's a pride of ownership where once you start to tinker with it yourself, mm -hmm. it, it's not, it's not media fly anymore. It's my media fly, right? It's my own thing. Right. 
Um, and I think um, we're actually seeing this now with, you know, we, we're doing this interesting thing. We, we launched at Dreamforce last week where we reached out to, you know, a, you know, a bunch of companies that were perfect fits for Mediafly. Um, and we said, you know, come to our party, um, send us content ahead of time and show up. We will give you an iPad that you can take home, has your app fully loaded, um, just shows you how easy it is. If, if we have the ability to create these things, you know, in a couple of days for you, yeah. then it really is this easy. And so we actually had, you know, by far the best turnout we've ever seen at a, at a, at an event like this. Um, and literally, you know, they were sitting with, with us for 30 minutes saying, you know, can, our sales reps and our customer success folks saying, can you move this over here? Can you, you know, rather than, well, tell me what the value of sales enablement is. Right. Yeah. And then they walk out with an iPad, they can show around, they can, you know, they right. can show to their boss or whatever. Um, so we're ramping that, that up big time. So from an advertising standpoint, I think you'd appreciate just that, you know, you can't give away iPads to everybody, but, totally. um, but to the right customer. And if, and if they actually spend the time to wrap up their content and give it to us in a, in a logical way where they've organized it a little bit, then it's worth it to us. Right. Cause they've actually, you know, they've, they've invested something at that point. Right. Well, um, if they, if they go on, right. Like it's totally worth the investment. Uh, iPad right. would be relatively small. Right. Right. And it's pretty funny to watch the switch go off with somebody when you're, when you're like, here's your app, it's done. Take yeah. it home, you know, start using it. Um, all of a sudden there's no, there's no, um, feeling of, well, this is not as easy as you're saying it is right. It's obviously it's as easy as you're saying it is because you just gave it to me. Right. Um, <laughs> so it's really cool to watch the effect of this not happening. What are some of the marketing challenges that you've seen, uh, you know, that this, this has sort of solved, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, so the biggest thing was just connecting with trying to, trying to convince um, companies to buy something that they don't fully understand and they don't really have a attach a problem to it. Right. So sales enablement is a, is a term that's been out there for 10 years. Um, if you ask 10 companies what sales name was, you probably get 12 answers. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's very different. Um, and so what we were struggling with from a marketing standpoint was educating the market on what sales enablement was. And in our mind, it's, you know, it's, it's insights into how content's being used and what's driving revenue. It's enabling the sales rep to actually leverage the right material in the field, personalized for that meeting. Um, and then ultimately, you know, track all that back to, back to CRM. So you can, you know, you know, you can, um, you can understand what's working. Um, so we were struggling with, that's a pretty progressive version of sales enablement compared to just content management, right. Or something like that. And so, um, what, what this new thing has really shifted is let's not try and convince somebody who hasn't bought from us what sales enablement is in our mind. Let's sell it to them in what it is in their mind, right? So it's really basic content management, a sexy app, you know, some light tie-in maybe to CRM if they're willing to start there um, and some training, right? Some training that like the, the, how they could train their customer or their, their reps on how to use Mediafly. Mm -hmm. And then let's spend the next two years helping them reach that visionary state, right? Yeah. Um, and so all of our marketing now is for the most part focused on how do we get you to take the tiniest little step with us? Um, and then we actually kind of diversify or really kind of split. And we actually, we just launched, um, a, um, a whole area called, um, Evolve Selling Institute, which essentially is our thought leadership platform. Gotcha. Um, and our chief evangelist, um, Tom Pasello has a book that he's written on our, our concept of Evolve Selling. And so we've really kind of gone like this, right? We have super high end. We're not trying to sell you anything here trying to teach you how to leverage, how to sell better right. um, using technology. And then over here, super simple, the most basic, mm -hmm. you know, risk-free, idiot-proof kind of thing, you know? Right. 
And I think you touched on something super important. I, I feel like it's something that I see across the board with pretty much everyone that I, you know, interview and go on a podcast with is essentially uh, educating the market on what the actual product is and, and how to use it and, and really how it's going to make my life easier as a consumer. Right. And, and I feel like you can do that at scale, especially with content, uh, whether it's video or blog posts and articles and stuff like that. Is that something that you're currently investing time into so that people can just search, you know, even if it's as high, you know, like high funnel as, you know, what is sales enablement um, and like what's been working the, the best. Yeah. So it's, it's an interesting one. And I don't know if I have the answer on what's working the best. Um, but what I'd say is we're coming at it from all those angles. So, you know, what is sales enablement is actually one of our best performing blog posts, for instance, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's a lot, you know, we're producing so much more content than we did in the past because I really think to your point, you know, we really do have to educate people on mm -hmm. what sales enablement is. Mm -hmm. um, I think, we're just, I think in my mind, we're using that to connect with people wherever they are on that sophistication journey. Right. And I think less companies than I thought were, were that far along. Um, or maybe you might have an individual that's that far along, but, but the, organ, the company is not ready to be there, right? And so I think it's a combination of connecting with those people so that if they're thinking that way, we can give them that information. Right. But at the same time, when they're ready to bring it back to their organization, how do you bring it back in the most lightweight way possible, right? Mm -hmm. um, so like we, we actually had one, one of the first customers that signed up for this 100 by three campaign um, was, um, was a big, it's a billion dollar global, um, global um, energy company. And um, he's passionate about sales movement. He liked what we have to say. He, you know, he's, he's buying, you know, he's, he's drinking the Kool-Aid, um, but he still was like, I don't know. He's like, my board's not asking for this. This is not corporate mandate. So, how do I get budget for this? So we just, you know, we gave him the hundred by three solution so he can walk around with it for hundred days. And he immediately wrote back saying, this just saved me three months of trying to convince people internally of what this is. I can now show them what this is. Right. So that's just like super validating as far as the tactic that's currently being you know, deployed for, for giving out that, that free 100 days. Yeah, exactly. And I think, um, but I think to your point is there was one person that connected with the higher vision, mm -hmm. but but the expectation of him being able to convince a whole bunch of other people without something that's, you know, de-risked, right. um, I think would have been, would have been hard. Mm -hmm. I completely agree. Now to kind of shift gears here and talk a little bit more about, you know, entrepreneurship and, and, and running in a, a business and, and, you know, more of a personal level of what it's like, what are some of the most challenging, challenging things on a personal level, as far as, you know, building a business, like what is it that you kind of like, you just, time after time, again, you try to deal with something, you know, whether it's stress, uh, whether it's a relationship, like, you know, having enough time for family and stuff like that. Like, what's the one thing that just kind of like keeps coming up over and over again? Yeah, it's a good, it's a really good question. Um, you know, I come from an entrepreneurial family and my wife is also a, an executive. So, and in sales and actually in MarTech. So, mm -hmm. um, so I think we've been kind of fortunate and then we can come home and talk about, you know, what is yeah, your, understands. yeah. Yeah. So I think it would be a lot harder if that wasn't the case. Um, mm -hmm. um, I think the, um, I think, you know, the hardest thing is just being able to find time for, you know, in those moments where um, there's something really tactical going on that I have to solve, you mm -hmm. know, fundraising or a personnel challenge. And so to be, the ability to think strategically and continue to wear that hat mm -hmm. when there's also a lot of tactical things you have to deal with, I think has been one of the hardest things over time and to kind of compartmentalize those. Right. So you don't, you don't either ignore the, the tactical things, you know, and it's not that I'm in the weeds in every department, right? But there's always something that bubbles up to me that I have to deal with. Right. Um, 
but being able to think, th think visionary and think out there, mm -hmm. um, and be able to, you know, it, it, within a minute, switch that hat and go deal with something that's, uh, you know, a, a local crisis. I think that's probably the most stressful thing, I think. And how do you deal with that? Um, that's a great question. I, I wish I had a, wish I had a better way of dealing with it. I think, um, a lot of sleepless nights, I think, um, a lot of emails in the middle of the night. I yeah. think, um, you know, um, I think I've just, you know, I've been doing it for so long that there's probably a norm that I've, that I've, um, accepted that probably is an un unhealthy one. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and I think, um, you know, that's probably my best answer, which is, I don't think I have, I fully figured it out. Yeah. You not know? yet. You'll, we'll get there. I would, I would say one of the things that I think I'm really lucky in is that I sell something that I'm also a consumer of. Um, right. So I think I'm a, you know, I joke about, you know, um, sales organizations that we go into typically are using kind of a show up and throw up sales model, right. Where they're, you know, they're just kind of, um, leveraging some big long PowerPoint presentation and, and I am a recovering show up and throw up sales guy. Right. Um, you know, I, I feel like, um, and I love our solution cause it helps get me out of that. And so I think that's a neat thing. I think if we sold, I don't know, you know, widgets for, you know, you know, something that was not something that, that we, um, that I do, mm -hmm. I think it would be hard. Right. So I think there is, there is this joy in, you know, I'm also a product guy. So when I see a new feature come out, it's like, I'm going to use that tomorrow in my next yeah. investor pitch. Right. Um, awesome. I think that probably, that keeps me going. That's awesome. If you could go back to say day one, right. It's a, a little bit of a time from now, but if you could go back to day one with everything that you've learned throughout these, I think 13 years, you said, what would you have done differently? It's, it's a really great question. I would have invested earlier in sales and marketing. Um, I feel like, um, I'm such a product guy. I was a programmer and I was a mechanical engineer. And so, um, and I didn't, I wasn't confident in my own sales. And so when I started building out a sales organization, um, I didn't, I don't think I put as much budget there as I should have faster. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, because I think what I'm realizing over time is you need more people cause some don't make it, you know, um, and, um, you need to kind of each person you add brings a little bit of a vision, right. That they do something a little different. And so, I think that in marketing, right? I think, you know, I think I, um, you know, I would have invested earlier. I did not appreciate, I just figured, you know, more salespeople, they just go find more business, right? Um, but there really is, you know, some value to driving, driving more, um, you know, more um, leads there. And the last thing was, you know, I, I, um, I added an advisory board recently of kind of key members in areas that I'm not naturally talented in, like marketing and sales and customer success. Um, and so I brought in absolute pros from the outside and we actually structured the organization. So they have, um, they, they kind of as a body are kind of the board for my commercial team. Um, and so, you know, they have the ability to dictate kind of what, what we do. Um, and I think empowering that put yeah. some of these decisions in the hands of people, you know, it's my internal expert and then an external outside expert. And then me, who is not an expert, mm -hmm. you know, and I feel like the combination of that was much better than an internal expert and me. Um, right. Because I didn't know how good my idea was. Or not. So, like, I mean, technically, you couldn't necessarily go and do that. You know, say day one when you first started. So, by saying that, would you would you kind of say that you maybe would have invested in maybe like consultants earlier on or something like that that kind of like guide you in the right direction, even if they're not going to be part of a board essentially? Yeah, and I think so. I think I could have done this earlier on if I had thought of it. I just um, essentially what I've structured now is some advisors that get a little bit of stock they get a little bit of cash. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, and I, and I, and they, they contribute a, you know, they, they, they contribute a pretty significant amount of attention to us. Right. 
Um, and it's kind of, it's kind of bursts, right? Um, and so I think, you know, early on I would have said, okay, you know, I'm bringing in a sales team. Um, I'm going to bring in a, you know, an advisor who can be a confidant and kind of a, uh, you know, a peer or a, um, partner for that sales team right. instead of me, because I just don't know anything about it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, so I think, you know, and I, what I'm finding now is, you know, I mentor and I advise a lot of, you know, companies that are That's in cool. startup mode. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I just, you know, it wasn't something I thought of to go find. Um, you know, what I really ended up, you know, my mentors became the folks who were funding the company, which mm-hmm. bring a lot of, you know, ex- one kind of expertise there. Right. Yeah. Um, but, but in a lot of cases, if it wasn't selling SaaS software, then there was something that I was missing. And mm-hmm. so, um, so again, I just feel like I, I couldn't be the best partner with the internal team mm-hmm. as I can now with these outside folks. Right. Um, so, and, and I absolutely think I could have done it much earlier. Um, and I think it would have helped. It would have seen around some corners that I just didn't know were out there. Mm-hmm. Cool. Cool. And, uh, what's one thing that you're not very good at as a, as a CEO? Wow. Wow. There's a lot. So let's see. Um, so I would say, so I'm not a, you know, I'm not a, um, I'm not a natural CEO in kind of that quick accountability. You know, I think, I think one of the things that took me time for, I think two things, clear communication in terms of what, what the direction I want to go, and what my expectations from people are, mm-hmm. um, and then accountability around that. Right. Like um, telling them, like expressing that or, or what do you, yeah. So, so I had this incident happen recently with, with, with one of the people in our marketing team where, um, where, you know, we, we were on a phone and we were having a conversation and, and I thought I described exactly what I wanted and she heard what she heard. And after about a month, we came back and I was like, how come you haven't done these things? And she said, I did exactly what we talked about. What I realized is we just didn't have a framework for how we communicate. And so we actually deployed, um, it's called V2Mom. It's Salesforce's kind of management methodology. Um, and it just created this clarity between me and my and my leaders so they know exactly you know down to the metric you know you know um you know what 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 am i expecting and how am i going to measure the outcome right right? and then it also allowed me to some degree to get a little bit more out of the weeds in some of these things saying as long as you achieve this result then i don't really care how you got there right Right, um if you start missing that measure then i'm going to get involved right Mm -hmm. um and what i you know we're not perfect at it yet but um but if but that's but I'm essentially creating a framework to navigate something that I'm not good at. Right. Um, which is, you know, and I kind of, you can probably hear during this interview, I kind of wander when I think. And so, um, so you know, there are certain people that will just kind of, you know, you'll, you had asked them that question. They would have come back with a, an answer that's like this. Right. Um, whereas I think in my case, you know, I need something to crystallize that um, right. and particularly the accountability, if it doesn't, if it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Very well. And uh, a couple of last questions here. What's your favorite book? I, I realized you named a couple of good ones earlier. So I wanted to see like, what's the one that you really enjoy and, and brought value yeah. to you? So, so definitely Jack Walsh's Straight from the Gut would be absolutely my favorite one. Okay. Um, it could have been the time when I read it, which is kind of like a lightning strike right, uh-huh. right at the moment. Um, you know, but that would definitely be the one that I, keep, I continue to go to. Great. Awesome. And last question, last questions here. What, uh, where can people find you online? So LinkedIn is probably the best for me. Um, so that's, that's by far, that's almost like my, my second email method. Um, mm-hmm. So that's absolutely the best one. Got you. Sweet. And last question here, Carson, do you have any questions for me? No, I think this was awesome. I think, um, you know, I probably what I love, I'd love to know what, how everybody else answers all those other questions that I just asked <laughs> or you just asked me. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're, they're not always the same questions. They're all out there though. Um, 
it would be pretty hard to, you know, just kind of like yeah, <laughs> throw all that up. But yeah, there's, I mean, there's, we've had, I've had some really awesome people on the show. Uh, definitely a lot of value. So if you ever feel like, you know, you, you want to learn a little bit from someone specifically, uh, you might find that person on the podcast. This will actually be episode 72. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, there's, I mean, there's a lot of different answers to a lot of different questions, but overall, uh, very, very valuable information. Totally. I love hearing people, particularly people that are humble and honest about how, what the pros and cons were, how they got there. It's just, it's yeah. awesome. I, I think most people are relatively, you know, humble and, and, and actually very transparent, which is pretty interesting. And, and, you know, everyone appreciates that. So yeah. you, can, you can get some, some more information on those podcasts. Cool. Uh, thank you, Carson, so much for being on here. It was a pleasure. And uh, for anyone that's interested in the sales enablement platform, make sure to check out Mediafly. Uh, and you can get those 100 days for $100. And uh, again, thank you so much. And we'll catch you next time. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thank you. Bye-bye.